Welcome to the Anglo Omani Society podcast. Today I'm excited to welcome Colonel Retired David Bennett, who played an instrumental role as the UK's in country project officer for the Defence Hub at Dukham. He has worked in various countries across the Middle East and is highly skilled in project and operations management, particularly in the international setting. In 2020, David swapped Dukham for Rollins Castle and began managing the beautiful Stansted Park estate. A few weeks ago, the AOS team had the pleasure of travelling down to his estate and recording the following podcast. In this podcast, Lydia and David discussed the UK's defence hub at Dukham, the challenges faced during this project and David's fondest memories of Oman. I hope you enjoy. Amazing. So with the port at Dukham then, I remember from your talk that you spoke about how you chose Dukham. Um, can you run through maybe like what were the main reasons for choosing Dukham as the defence hub? I think the British military for many years has been looking to the Middle East as some key regional partners in order to have an enduring and persistent uh, presence in that area. Uh, as you know, the, the Middle East has been on the forefront of uh, uh, an intersection between many different uh, issues and problems. And uh, given that um, most Middle Eastern countries are the United Kingdom's very close friends, I think we were looking to uh, re-engage more persistently in the area following the withdrawal east of Suez in 1971. And we were looking to see how that might be achieved. The overall concept was to have a regular stream of uh, exercises and deployments there, but we were looking for something more. And uh, Oman seemed a, a natural choice being uh, on the edge of the Indian Ocean and uh, geographically located for access uh, for many parts of the world from that area. Um, but also it gave the opportunities for the best training in a way. And all this came together at the same time that Oman was exploring uh, the development of its main new port uh, based on Dukham whereby its economic uh, prosperity was really focused on this amazing um, new development. And I think we, as the British military and government, saw an opportunity to really uh, act in accordance with that strategy of the Oman government and maximise not only the opportunities for us, but to cement in other people's minds that Dukham was a really good, commercially strong and vibrant place in which to invest. And the fact that the British were in there early, I think, meant uh, a great deal to the Omani government and people, but also it really satisfied all our requirements uh, to establish our defence hub there. Yeah. And the Renaissance village that's there in Dukham, is that part of all the same development? Yes. I think, as I stated in my talk, the different component parts of the Dukham uh, construct really worked in our favour. Uh, we weren't embarking on something that had no infrastructure already in place, and we were to take, able to take advantage of not just a really positive open-door approach uh, by the Amanis, but the infrastructure there in terms of the port uh, and elsewhere was really good. Renaissance Village is the most incredible uh, set up and we were originally nervous about putting lots of um, British soldiers in such a wonderful facility but we were persuaded that this would be okay. We wouldn't, we wouldn't damage the facility too much by being in there and we sorted out the security issues but the, the standard of accommodation, the standard of food and, uh, and all the rest of it was 
uh, world class and uh, we were able to use that facility to establish ourselves for Exercise Safe Surya in uh, 2018 and beyond and we're still using it now. We've got a very good relationship with the Renaissance Village and Taos who run it and uh, without that baseline infrastructure I think life would be very difficult. Yeah. I mean, it just looks amazing. We were looking it up online before we came and like all the different catering options, the different cuisines they do. I mean, so who else lives in Renaissance Village? It's for the, uh, the workers for the oil refinery and the port and uh, all the other um, huge amounts of the construction going on there. When I was there a few years ago, it had a capacity of about 16,000, and I believe that's something up towards 28,000, 30,000 people now. A phenomenal enterprise. Yeah. But again, it's not just a case of, um, uh, of you know, throwing people into a, uh, a substandard um, uh, organisation. The, the quality of the Renaissance Village is, is, is world class. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely looks so from the pictures at least. Um, and so with this new defence hub, how important do you think Oman is generally to the region and to Britain's military focus? Yeah. Um, I think the, the simple answer to that is it's really, really important. I think the ability to firstly support a key regional ally by uh, embarking on a whole series of new exercises is really important. Uh, but also I think it demonstrates the United Kingdom's commitment not just to Oman but to the region and looking beyond the Middle East, in fact, and the recent um, Kara Strike Group deployment to the Far East uh, has been a, uh, an example of that, whereby the, the Middle East has been central to it, but it's allowed us as a nation to push out beyond just the Middle East in order to protect our sea lines of communication and the rights of navigation across the oceans. And Oman, uh, I think, is really supportive of that, um, initiated by the UK and we are grateful uh, to the Omani people and government for allowing us to use those facilities. The, there's huge synergy but also there's huge uh, strategic significance in what we're doing which is to the benefit of uh, not just the Middle East but I think the, 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 the global rules-based rules order. Yeah, I remember from your talk you were speaking particularly about the terrain in Dockham and how useful it is to train somewhere with such a diverse range of yeah. sand and sea and... Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when we were with the Omani uh, military looking at the various options uh, for a new training area, you'll recall that the, the training area that's currently used has been uh, dominated by more oil exploration and infrastructure there with pipelines and, uh, and so on, which makes the manoeuvre really difficult and live firing impossible. So when we were looking at... Um, the various options with the Amalis, we looked at four or five different areas where there was very little oil infrastructure. We alighted on this uh, uh, expanse of, uh, of area down by Ras Madraka and literally could not believe our eyes as to how versatile, how varied and how demanding and challenging this piece of terrain uh, was. Um, we all know what a desert looks like, but if um, you imagine uh, the, uh, the deep-sided wadis and ravines, the very, very challenging um, uh, rocks and stones underneath uh, vehicles, uh, wheels and tracks, it makes it very, very difficult to plan um, uh, your movement across such terrain. And that's really, really good training. It was an arduous uh, area and uh, we felt that for us, 
as not only the UK military, but our Omani colleagues agreed as well, that this was just an exceptional area. We were lucky that um, there was no oil exploration on there. And what made it really advantageous and attractive to us was the ability to conduct live fire maneuver there. It wasn't just a dry training area. It also was very close to the oceans. It abuts the Indian Ocean, so if you wanted to do amphibious operations there, it, um, and straight onto a training area, that was ideal. The proximity to Dukham as well is just so fortuitous, only 60 kilometers or so away to that main infrastructure that can support our exercises. So we felt ourselves very fortunate to have come across such an area and the, having decided that this would be a good area, the Omanis then literally moved heaven and earth to make it possible to conduct our first exercise there in, uh, in March 2019. And indeed there's an exercise going on there right at the very moment on back on Rasmadraka, which again proves that uh, this um, sequence of exercises really works not only for ourselves, but also for the Omanis with whom we're training at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And once you decided that Dokkum was where this defence hub was going to be based, did you face any particular challenges or was it quite easy once you've made that decision? I don't think anybody uh, can appreciate how in some ways straightforward it was. I try and make a big meal of it because otherwise it doesn't seem as if my contribution was remotely impressive. But, uh, but when I explain to people that our relationship with the Omanis is absolutely unique and very special, that I'm, I felt that all the way along, right from uh, the operations of the uh, Ministry of Defence through the different uh, arms and services of the uh, Omani military through to civilian organisations and entities and the governors and so on, that we were always pushing against a... Uh, an open door. There was a very much can-do attitude. They understand, understood very clearly what was required to um, produce a uh, provide a training area for us, and they very clearly understood how important it was for us to be near near Dukham. And I think that um, the challenges that we'd have had in any other country would have made it almost insurmountable. The fact that we were doing this with such a key and long-standing ally made the uh, the the work not only pleasurable possible. Yeah. And would you really say that this relationship between the UK and Oman is quite unique, like with your other, with your experience with other Mid Middle Eastern countries? I think, I think, of course I'm going to say it is, I do believe that. I think we, be, being a Brit, you always think you've got good relationships with everybody, but there are <laughs> tears of that, and I, uh, that kind of depth relationship. And I think Oman does stand out as being a very special case indeed. And, uh, and I think we acknowledge that. Uh, with the kind of training we conduct with a, a partner. We're very used to training with NATO forces and being interoperable and, uh, and so on, and that's been within our training structure for, you know, since 1945. But I think what we have in the Middle East with the Omanis is equally special in terms of our working uh, together to try and share uh, best military practices to, to understand how other regional forces work, both in terms of uh, language, but procedures and planning uh, routines. And I think we've both got a lot to learn from each other uh, about how to operate in that kind of unforgiving terrain and how we can make the best use of two quite different forces, but uh, work together well. And you say they're quite different forces. What would you say are the main differences between... 
because a lot of uh, uh, joint training goes uh, on with o Oman in the United Kingdom anyway. We conduct a lot of training together. Uh, indeed, my son is in, uh, uh, at Sandhurst at the moment with, uh, I think there are four Omanis in, on his course at the moment. So if I was saying the main differences, there shouldn't be any differences because we're all trained in the same way. I think it's just a, a regional approach, and I think uh, we have traditionally had, in the last 40, 50 years or more, a very European-centric approach to our military operations. And, um, uh, and I think that operating in a different uh, uh, terrain, with a different culture, is uh, inevitably produces some differences. But I think this is where the joint training that we're undergoing makes sure that those differences are overcome and understood so that the military effectiveness of both our uh, uh, forces can be maximised. Yeah, it's quite refreshing, really. Um, yeah. Yes, I think it is. I think, um, you know, I think we enjoy training at the moment. You know, Carl's uh, on my back to exercise Kandra Oman in 2019, where we had a lot of uh, joint uh, training, joint planning, joint execution. Now, there's always frictions between uh, uh, everybody in English-speaking, let alone in European-speaking uh, armies, uh, and those frictions were uh, ever-present in any military uh, operation. But I think that exercise demonstrated that we could both operate very effectively with another force, similarly trained, different languages, different approaches, but actually work through those to achieve um, some pretty concrete ob objectives. Um, not just in terms of dry training, uh, but also the live firing uh, as well, which was a challenging and dangerous uh, element to put together. But I think uh, both sides worked well together, and, uh, and that overriding intent to make things work, I think, permeates and pervades both our approaches to operational effectiveness. Definitely. And... Um Obviously, on top of the military, the economic presence in Dockham is very important. Did you experience much overlap between sort of military and commercial? Yes, spaces? I think uh, what has to be yeah. realistic in this day and age is that part of the reason why we were made to feel so welcome in Dockham was because we were bringing some uh, economic benefit. Yeah. Um, but equally, that's exactly the reason why we wanted to get involved in Dockham, because we wanted to bring economic uh, prosperity uh, to uh, the people of Oman and make that contribution. And uh, this is where there's the synergy between uh, the use of Dukham for the Omani commercial reasons and our wish to use it for military uh, objectives came together really well. And that, of course, as we sign contracts with um, uh, IMDAD uh, and other civilian organisations, we are bringing financial benefit and we accept that as part of the deal. And I think the Omanis are also very commercially aware that they had to provide certain facilities in order for us to um, justify getting involved there. So it worked really well. And nobody had any qualms that this was a, uh, a commercial project as much as a military project right from the start. And I think that openness and understanding of what the real rationale behind it was was very uh, refreshing and made the negotiations very straightforward. Yeah. And what would you say is your fondest memory from your time in Oman, if you had to pick one? I think it is, it has to be driving around Oman, following the issuing of a plan of where the uh, oil infrastructure was less prevalent, 
driving around Oman, looking at areas and saying, could the British military train here? And stumbling upon what was, seemed to be at the time, the promised land of Rasmadrake. It was such a revelation to see that here was an area that actually fit the, uh, fitted the bill and in such close uh, proximity to Dukham. And that for me, I think, was the, the moment I realized that my job was, um, was really worthwhile and it would have been really disappointing to not have found that area with our Omani colleagues and come away with some of it maybe second best, too far away from Dukham to be feasible and viable. So I think that was the moment that I thought that the, uh, my, my work in Oman was uh, really worthwhile and enjoyable and satisfying. There are a thousand other things I really enjoy about Oman, uh, you know, traveling around with all the adventures. It's an adventure playground, and uh, uh, everyone who beats to Oman, and you know this very well, just loves the ability to drive anywhere, camp anywhere, and to do the most amazing adventures in incredible uh, terrain and all the time amongst the most fabulous people you can meet anywhere on earth. And now you're here at Sunset House, do you ever find yourself planning trips back to Oman? Would you like to visit? Well, yes, it was a great pleasure to go back to the Anglo-Omani Society and the sort of Oman Armed Forces Association to give a talk and to meet a couple of old uh, Omani colleagues I'd worked with there. And their first question, of course, is when am I going back to Oman? <laughs> and, um, uh, I'm very keen to go back within the next uh, couple of years. It's, it has such fond, uh, uh, such fond memories of that country. And of course, it gets right into your bloodstream. It gets into your inner core, and you can't shake it off over much you like it. It gets absolutely underneath you. So I think it'll be, uh, if I want to preserve my health, I think I've got to go and get a dose of, uh, of Omani uh, culture and adventure in a very short uh, space of time. Definitely. So what do you hope to see for the future of Oman and UK military relations? I'd like to see the uh, relations just continue to grow from strength to strength. And you've got to remember that we start off from a, already a pretty firm base. We do lots of um, single service uh, exercises in Oman already, but the added addition of Rasmadraka and the Dukham Defence Hub, I think has added a completely new layer onto that. and. Uh, and it's quite clear that we're all very intent on maximising the opportunities that this piece of real estate in the Dukham Defence Hub offer. And that will really thicken up our relations and make them deeper and more special. And I think resets our relationship uh, for the next generation. And it's very clear when you go to Oman how much we tend, I think both parties really, to look back to uh, other operations in which we've been involved on on in Oman, and but I think that's done. I think that is it's history moves on. People grow up and they forget perhaps a little bit of their history. What I think the Dukham Defence Hub does for us, and I hope for the Omanis as well, is really just reset that relationship for the next thirty to forty years. Refreshes it, revitalises it on a new basis, and that I think is very positive because I think it gives the next generation something to, to build on. It's theirs, you know, 30 years ago we weren't in Rasmadraka or Dukham. Now we are, and I think that gives uh, a new lease of life to our very uh, warm history together. And we should um, certainly take every opportunity to build on that uh, opportunity that we've been very kindly provided by the Amanis. Definitely. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you very much, dear. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it and we look forward to welcoming you next week. If you'd like to learn more about the Anglo-Omani Society, please head to ao-soc.org.